Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Our episode today is brought to you by Cathode Ray Media. Cathode Ray is a full-service marketing agency that connects government organizations to their communities. Visit cathoderay.com, that's K-A-T-H-O-D-E-R-A-Y.com to learn more or ask for a free no-obligation consultation. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with John Maynard. He is the founder of Infinite Sequence Economics, an economics an economic development consulting firm focused on providing sophisticated tools at an affordable price. He's been an economic development professional for nearly 17 years, and for the 15 years prior to that, he was a volunteer. All of his work has been in small rural areas. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dane. And before we get started, I'm not uh, not going to suck up to you, but I will tell you, I, I'm I'm thrilled to have discovered your your podcast. Uh, for so long, I've been preaching the, this growth on the inside out, people-based economic development for so long and not getting uh, a lot of traction with it where I, where I am locally, but finding out through your podcast that there are people all over the country, all, all brands of economic developer who are buying into that concept is very refreshing. And it's been very affirming for me in this, uh, this new venture that I've started. Well, that's phenomenal. I'm really glad to hear that you didn't say that um, uh, you're very impressed with me and everything that I've done with the Econ Dev Show, but instead you're impressed with the guests, and I am too. I have learned so much and discovered all kinds of interesting people doing interesting things. And that's why I wanted to have you on, because you are obviously an interesting person. I saw, I came across you when I found your um, economic development and tropical fish, uh, YouTube video. I think I found the Ted talk version one, the the version first, but then I found the other one and I've watched both of them. Why don't you give us a brief sort of overview of what this, the economic development and the tropical fish, your video is about. How about if I back up and tell you before that happens, how I had got to that, uh, to that assessment. That sounds um, good. And it, why don't you tell us when, a little bit you know, about I, yourself I, I moved, as well? I so moved. We know. Okay. Well, I, I, uh, I, I grew up in, in uh, central Louisiana in a small town called Natchitoches, Louisiana. Uh, I ran the family movie theater business, was in that business for about 19 years, sold that, went to work for my in-laws in, in, uh, in printing and office flies, went into, became a mortgage broker, became a full-service banker. Uh, the entire time that I was doing that, I was a volunteer at the Chamber of Commerce and I got very engaged with the community. So through all these different career moves, I was very, um, I, I was thinking about what was going on economically in the community. What do we do differently and how do we make this happen? When I turned 40, I was a banker and I was miserable. And uh, I, um, I found out they pay people to do this. And I was pretty surprised that that would happen. I ended up getting a job with a, at the time it was the Northwest Louisiana Economic Development foundation. Now it's NLEP. It's run by my good friend, J Justin Dixon. Uh, but I went to work for that organization in a, in a, in a small town 
uh, Minden, which is about 30 miles uh, east of Shreveport. And um, I was working on a city level, a half of the, the parish of the county level, but also working for a regional organization that covered 10 parishes, 10 counties in Northwest Louisiana. And so in that two years that I was with them, I, I got a real master's degree in what economic development is all about on varying levels. Uh, I was recruited to go to, uh, to Starkville, Mississippi. I spent five years in Starkville, ended up in, in Oxford, Mississippi. I spent uh, 10 and a half years in Oxford, Mississippi. And I've seen the development of things, um, particularly in college towns where you've got access to some pretty amazing things for a small town. But I've seen the development of things in regions where um, you know, sometimes the, the, the traditional economic development model is, is above and beyond what those smaller communities can do, yet they still tend, tend to play the game and, and they're not winning in that respect. So when I moved from Starkville, Mississippi to Oxford, Mississippi, I looked around at, at Oxford and I am a, I'm a certified skeptic. I, I, I believe in scientific method. And so there was this hypothesis, hypothesis that said, Oxford is more successful. Oxford is, is, um, is, is economically sound and strong. And so the first thing I did was set out to find out whether or not that was actually true. Was, was it really strong or did it just feel that way because there was a university there and there was some wealth that was, was flowing into the community. And so I started looking at data and started pulling data from all sorts of free sources, comparing our data throughout Mississippi, comparing our, ourselves to the state average. And I worked on that data and I grew a spreadsheet that probably has about 50 to 60 tabs on it, each tab representing a different piece of data. And I was, I was bound to determined to find out that Oxford was not as successful as, as it is. What I discovered was Oxford was not only economically successful, um, it was, it was extremely economically successful. Uh, so that led me to this idea of, well, okay then what do I need to do with this very successful town if they, they probably don't need me? And so I went back and I asked some of the, uh, the, the people on my boards who had been since been there since the inception of the organization in 1992. And I asked them, okay, what did you do in 92 when you formed this economic development foundation? I saw that you, you hired somebody to do a strategic plan. I saw how the plan was implemented. I saw the updates and everything else. But what was your, what was your driver for organizing this new economic development organization. What they told me was they came into the economic development game on the back end of an awful lot of what I'll call Rust Belt success. And uh, they, they realized, you know, in order for us to really play a traditional economic development game, we're going to have to do something first. And so what they decided to go to was a retirement attraction program. And they developed this retirement attraction program and began to change the community for themselves. They said, we want better schools. We want a better place to live. We want higher standards. And so they began creating this quality of place issue. And what happened was they started to grow at a, at a pretty good clip. So back in the, in the nineties, when they were just getting started, when you looked at the region of North Mississippi, Oxford was the middle of the pack at best. Um, yes, it had the university there, but it was no better, uh, in terms of, of growth trends than pretty much anybody else. Now they're really leading the, the way and all that. And, you know, you, you fast forward 30 years and the things that they were doing to attract retirees uh, is very attractive to millennials. So the new generation is looking for that quality of place. They're looking for an authentic experience. They're looking for a place where they can live and work and, and have a good balance uh, at, at still an affordable price. So that's the uh, that's kind of the driver of how I got to where I am. 
But with that data, what I started realizing was that some of the more traditional economic development communities in our state uh, that we we just assumed were very strong because look at the announcements they've made. Look at the the large projects that they've landed. And but when you look more carefully at at a more diverse data set instead of just jobs and investment, what you found was well the rest of their their data isn't so good. And if you you rank them in other community against other communities, their populations actually declining. Their civil, civilian labor force is declining. Their retail sales. They're, it, one that, that surprised me was there was a couple of what we assumed were very successful communities in our state where their assessed value was actually declining in a year-over-year basis. And I, I don't know how, how you do that when you have large, large businesses building and, and, and opening companies there. How does your assessed value go down? Um, still, I still haven't quite figured that one out. But I started thinking about that tropical fish uh, mentality when it came to traditional economic development being whale hunting. Uh, whereas it, 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 maybe my term tropical fish isn't quite the right description, but it's tropical reef building. Uh, you've got to create a reef uh, where tropical fish will naturally congregate. You've got to do the things where people who are the economy are going to show up and they're going to stick around and they're going to they're going to bring their jobs with them. They're going to grow their jobs from the inside out. Uh, that's a very distinct upside down version of traditional economic development. Whereas traditionally you'd bring in a big company and you expect the economy to grow and flourish. This is the other way around. You expect, you bring in the people, you bring in the, the, the reef and the tropical fish tend to congregate around that. And you've got to make it so that it's sustainable. In other words, they've got to be able to keep it going. And then some of those tropical fish turn into the whales. And that's a very uh, unique way of, of looking at it. Now I said at the beginning of this, this podcast that your show is great because there's so many other people out there that I didn't know about. That are that think that way that see uh, the people-based economic development, the human-centered economic development, as the the wave of the future and the way it needs to be now, and it's very affirming to find out that there are people that are thinking that because I I, I thought I came up with it on my own. That's the kind of guy I am. I've got that kind of an ego. Um, but at the end of the day, that's the tropical fish mentality, and that's the 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 way that I see the future of economic development uh, going. And that if we're not appealing to people, then we're definitely not going to be appealing to companies. That is very interesting, and that is, a, I think, an excellent overview. Um, couple of questions. Number one, after you did this in Oxford, Mississippi, and you talked to your board, what did you do the rest of the time that you were there? After you'd pulled this data and discovered that you were, you know, it was a, it was a successful community. What, what was, what was your, what were your marching orders? Uh, well, it, you know, I, I created my own marching orders, to be honest with you. But the uh, looking at the data and looking at what we needed to do. Um, there was a, a, an update to the strategic plan, uh, in 2007 from the original that had been done in, in 1992 and all of the boxes had been checked except this big gap where it said entrepreneurial, uh, you had to develop more of your entrepreneurial ecosystem. And I started thinking, well, that's obviously where we need to go, that we need to start doing the things that appeal to, uh, to entrepreneurs and to small businesses. We didn't know where, how we were going to do it. We didn't know what we were going to do. All we knew is that that's something we needed to make happen. And so we jumped into it. Uh, we, we, I had a, a friend in a, with a very successful company who offered to put up some money for a, uh, a pitch competition. And we created a pitch competition based on the idea that what they were going to be uh, measured by was not their pitch, not by 
what they could tell us about their company or what their, their, their success was with um, marketing it. We wanted them to look at, okay, how are you reaching out to resources in the community? Uh, A, what resources are you reaching out to? B, tell us who those are so we can put those in an inventory of our community. And uh, C, put in there what they did specifically that changed your trajectory, that gave you some ideas about where to go. And that began to transform our version of how we were going to look at entrepreneurship. It wasn't just going to be, you know, the, the tech companies, because we had some successful tech companies. Um, we had we had large manufacturing, things like that. But what we really needed to do is we needed to foster both the Main Street entrepreneurs as well as the tech and gazelle type entrepreneurs. And you had to create programs independently for each one of those. So we we basically over the years have created a number of different programs. We, we became very collaborative with our arts council. If you think about an arts council, if they're reaching out to artists, those are creatives. Those are, you know, think of them as software developers. But when we reach out to the arts council, they reach out back to us. And we began programs called our Big Bad Business Series and things like that so that the the, the creative people could have a, an outlet for sharing their, their information with one another, for going to resources and bringing resources back so they can grow their product. Um, bottom line, our, our efforts were focused very heavily on growth from the inside out, making sure that the, the mom and pop businesses that we had in town already continued to grow, making sure that the businesses that had opportunities to get started in our community had places to go. And uh, then it rolled into a quality of place issue of we've got to make sure that the things that our city planning group and those are doing don't conflict with what the what, what becomes attractive to, to a community, attractive to somebody from the outside looking in. That and education. We have partnered with, uh, with education. Um, they, we, we, we brought in a, a workforce development person who is a, a professional educator uh, who, was, who was really in, in charge of running the, uh, the CTE program. We sold this, uh, this idea from Ryan Egley up in, in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, but brought on a workforce development person so that when we talked to our, our K-12 school systems, we weren't being, we weren't shaking our fingers at them. We weren't telling them, this is what you're doing wrong and you need to go fix it. We are speaking their language to them because I'm, I'm married to an educator and my business ed education and her teacher's education, they don't marry up. Um, they, they tend to be um, speaking different languages altogether. So to answer your question, we focused very heavily on business growth, internal uh, growth in small businesses and entrepreneurship, focused on quality of place and focused on education. So what do you say to the detractors who would say that this sounds like a great idea, uh, sounds like a good plan, but it's going to take forever before we see any results? What, you know, what's your counter to that? What, what do I say to that? Well, let me, let me also say that the detractors that I have heard uh, have said, oh, well, that's just Oxford. That's the way they do things there. Or Oxford has a big university there. Uh, what they do can't be done where, where I am. And I, you know, I had a conversation with Larry Holt recently, who you had on the, on the show, mm -hmm. um, that this, this um, version of economic development is scalable to just about anywhere. And it can be put into place um, in the smallest of towns and the largest of communities. And that 
it is something. So I talked to Larry Holt and he, he, he assured me that, uh, that, that piece of, um, of economic development that addresses the people's concerns, people's needs, uh, is a very functional uh, and scalable approach to economic development. And that's the sad thing is, is smaller communities, um, everybody still believes that they can, they can do traditional economic development and, and it will yield results because it yields headlines. And what I do is I prove it with data. Um, like I said, I'm a, I'm a card carrying skeptic and data is, is the rule over, over, over everything. And so when you show that the data that you, you the human uh, centered data, such as population, civilian labor force, per capita income, median household income, uh, poverty rates, GDP, assessed value, all these things that, that affect human beings. And by the way, come from reliable sources that, that are com comparable to one another. You know, if you, if you base your entire decision-making process on jobs and investment, you have to think about there's no standard for those those jobs and investment numbers. Um, right. And they come to you from the companies you've just made a deal with. So really, where does that does that information really benefit you? And is anybody tracking that over time? And the question is, or the answer is, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a snapshot in time. So I, I back up the detractors with data. And I can access data from all over the country. Every county in the country has, has uh, publicly available data that goes back to even the, the 70s, and you can look at trends and see what's been happening. And you can even, if you look at where something big or something something positive or negative happened in a community on any of those types of, um, the, any of those data points, you can go ask people that were there at the time, what happened? What went, what went on here that caused this? And they'll be able to tell you. And that is where you start looking at how do you create strategic programming from the data of how do you, how do you copy that? Or what's the future like? What is your, what's the future attitude for your workforce and your, and your companies and, and all the things that are available to you that is going to be different. And you can start looking at each of those data points and, and creating a, an actual program around each one of those pieces of information so that you can start looking at trends and you can look at those trends every year and, uh, and get a feel for where you are and where you're going. Gotcha. That makes sense. You know, as you were talking, I was thinking, well, how do we not know that it's, you know, some ephemeral sort of just something about a place that makes it better than some other place? But then listening to you, I'm thinking, you know what, all of those, all of the things that you described, all the factors you described earlier, uh, you know, building the building businesses from the inside out and entrepreneurship and education and all of that all of that stuff sort of does go together in a very holistic way. And so mm -hmm. I can see how that would build on itself and, and create that it factor, whatever it is that makes the place better. It's, it's not separate and isolated from all of the data. It's reflected in the data and vice versa. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. It's all reflected in the data. And again, if you go back and ask the people that were there at the time, what happened here? When you saw, you see a genuine flip in the data, they'll tell you, they'll tell you what happened. They'll tell you what their experience was. And you can actually go and replicate that. Or you can figure out where it either got better or got worse uh, following that blip in the data. And you can look at your trends. And but like you said, it's all holistic. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent traditional economic development with 
uh, with business recruitment, business retention, uh, industrial components of this, that all needs to be done. But like I told you, we found a gap with our entrepreneurial section in our, our strategic plan that nobody was addressing. And so we began to address that. Well, at the same time, we were still working on industrial recruitment. We're still working on, on product development. We were still working on all the things that are traditional economic development moves, but you have to add in that people component of it. And then all of a sudden, all that traditional economic development stuff, the, the, the things that you, that you normally do as an economic developer have a little bit different motivation and you start seeing your, the, the, the work that you do and the way that you do it, it becomes reflective of, uh, of how that, that community is going to be operating. Right. And I, I think it takes on a whole different view because you recognize its part in that sort of overarching story or overarching idea of the community. That's fascinating. Right. So now you have this, oh, and, and that's, um, that's kind of the, where I, sorry. I formed this, this business of mine. Right. That's exactly what I was going to go to. So, you're the founder uh, of Infinite so Sequence. That, the, All right. Economics. So you're the, yeah, Infinite Sequence Economics. And so I would assume that that you do this then for communities all over the country. Correct. Well, that's my goal. I've right. only been in business for about nine weeks now. And uh, what, I'm, what I'm finding is that my role uh, in an, an existing economic development organization is as a second pair of hands or second set of eyes and ears uh, to help them with some of the things that they want to get done. And, you know, having for, for a fairly low price, having a, an economic, another economic developer in the room, uh, you know, even if it's just a, you know, eight hours a month, uh, it, it helps with, with getting some things done, but all those conversations start with, okay, where are your gaps? It just, if I was counseling a small business, um, where are your gaps? What do you need help with? What do you need to, to do? And what can't you do? What, what's, what's, what's outside of your sweet spot? What's outside of your strengths? That's really what I bring as a, as a monthly retainer type of, of, of arrangement that I'm, I'm looking to grow here in smaller communities or even larger communities. You know, everybody needs a little bit of help. But the idea is that so many communities are out there struggling to, to, to play the economic development game and they don't have a chance of even getting on the field. And they don't really know that. They don't really understand how to quantify that. But the first conversation that I have with them is I'm going to show you all the data that I can pull about your community and look at the, the trend lines that you're, you're experiencing and you have experienced. And then we're going to sit down for about two hours. And we're going to talk about where your gaps are, what we can help you with doing, how we can bring uh, fresh ideas or innovative ideas to your community, how we can make a, a difference. Uh, for the, you know, the, the fee that you bring a consultant in. I never want to be a consultant that is the, the kind of guy that says, I'm going to tell you the time on your watch, and then I'm going to send you a bill for that. I want to sit down with you and I want to talk about where you are, what you're doing, how to do it. And I definitely don't want to create strategic planning without an implementation, without holding a community accountable for bringing those things to bear. And that's something that, uh, I, I believe that small counties, small communities, they need that sort of help. And that's really what I bring to the table. I really want to make sure that this new version of economic development that is so focused on people and the place and not so much on making the businesses uh, a better bottom line, because at the end of the day, we, we, we abate so many taxes um, on these things that, you know, it, sometimes it doesn't really make a, 
doesn't pay off to, to make them happy. But at the end of the day, I want to make sure that these, these communities understand what the future of economic development is all about and help them get to, get to their goal. That is absolutely fascinating. And I, at the end of this episode and in our show notes, we'll, we'll put your website address and your contact information so that any of our listeners can, you know, reach out, but, um, maybe you can give our listeners sort of, uh, you've, you've mentioned some of the factors that go into this data collection. Um, maybe you can mention some of the other factors because, yeah. you know, what are some that are, maybe we don't think of, you know, that don't come to mind right off the top. Uh, what the, the, the biggest one that I, I find, um, actually working from the bottom up on my standard pitch is this give a damn factor. And, you know, I, I grew up in a small town in Louisiana and, and I, I have seen that community with its better days. And when I go back to visit, I still have a mother-in-law there. My mother actually just recently moved from there to here. But when I go back to visit, I look around and I can see in great detail where neglect has happened, where they have not uh, focused on maintaining the quality of the community. And this is a beautiful place. And, you know, there, there's, there's lack of funds, which is a, a big problem, but without doing something about that give a damn factor, then you won't have the funds to be able to fix it in the future. So it becomes a, a pretty ugly spiral. But that give a damn factor is that something we all see as economic developers. You know, you hire an organization to come in and do a first impressions drive through in your community where they show you, look, that's ugly. This needs to be fixed. That's a problem. Uh, and then kind of leave it to you. Uh, I, I bring with me other peer consultants that will help guide the, uh, the decision-making process for how do you get out of this, this area where it looks like our community really doesn't care about itself. And, you know, when businesses or individuals come into the community like that, they see it. The locals don't see it anymore. The locals have just become mm -hmm. completely blind to the, the blight or any, any flaws. And what you get are tourists or businesses or possible residents that come into your community and say, well, if they don't care about themselves already, they're definitely not going to care about me. And they just pass on by and they go to the next community that, that will, will take them on. And when you are trying to grow businesses from the inside out, you have two things, two different types of businesses. You've got one business that says, I'm growing my business so I can stay. And you have the other business that says, I'm growing my business so I can get the hell out of here. And you really want to have those people, those businesses that are growing in your community that are there determined to stay, determined to help and determined to get over that give a damn factor. And so that's one of the, the biggest components of all this. And that can, can translate itself into quality of place. It can translate itself into, um, you know, just some infrastructure improvements. Uh, there are, there are things that, that we just get used to that if without somebody else calling our attention to it, then we won't do that. We won't do anything to replace it. We may have money for it. We may have the ability to fix it, but we don't do it because we don't think it's a problem. And that's where I, I find one of the biggest things outside of data as being one of the biggest factors to making a community actually successful. Wow. I have never heard it put that way, but that is, that was excellent. The give a damn factor. Those signs are everywhere. Sorry. Is there anything else that you want to touch on you that there? we haven't? Um, what? No, uh, I think just, you know, I'm, I'm, I honestly am here. I've got a, a brand new business. Uh, I bring 
uh, you know, the, as you quoted at the beginning of the show, affordable or sophisticated tools at an affordable price. You know, you get uh, an awful lot of consultants that will charge you a hundred thousand dollars for a strategic plan. Um, and that's just out of the price range of most of America. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it for a whole lot less. I, I was in a successful community and we couldn't afford to do those things either. So there's an awful lot of, of, um, territory out there, awful lot of, of gaps that I can, I can bring my, my experts to help fill. And, uh, all I, all I ask is, look, let us give us a, give it a shot because I think that once you understand what we're trying to do, you'll get on board and this, this new version of economic development will take hold. And, you know, these communities that are outside of major metropolitan areas that are, are just sort of hanging on, they can't really contribute to the, the product, the, the, in, the industrial park product of a major, of a, of a metropolitan area, but they definitely contribute to the workforce product. And you need to get those areas on board because people will want to live in better places around, uh, things that would, would support more traditional economic development. So that's something else that I want to try to help. I want to try to help communities that are out just outside of major areas that are struggling to, to figure, find their relevance in that area to, uh, to find their way economically. Fascinating. So where can our listeners go to learn more? Uh, my website is www.sequence-economics.com. And I've got uh, all, all the information that you need there. Uh, you, can, you can certainly reach out to me directly with John, J-O-N, at sequence-economics.com. And um, more than happy to, to, to share data and have a conversation and, and discuss where these things can go. Um, whether you hire me or not, I, I, I like talking about this sort of sort of stuff, and would love to uh, to find out how how people in other parts of America are doing. Absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much for being a guest today. Dave, thank you so much for having a great podcast, and I've been sharing uh, your information with everybody I know because I think what you've got here is spreading the message of a new a new uh, paradigm in economic development. Thank you. That was a very that was very nice. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.